I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Joining us today is the CEO of United Way of Salt Lake, Bill Krim. Bill, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Interesting. Historically, most of us of this generation have never seen anything like what happened when COVID-19 uh, was spreading around the world. And then it arrived, you know, in Utah and it arrived in Salt Lake City and it had so much impact on businesses and on individual lives and health centers. And I noted that, of course, the United Way of Salt Lake readied itself with a specific COVID-19 response. So let's talk a little bit about the overall goals of United Way of Salt Lake. Lake, and then the directions, because of those goals, you and the organization took to help the community respond to COVID-19. So, Bill, what, what are the overall goals of United Way of Salt Lake? Yeah, our, our big goals are to help every child in Utah succeed in school and in life. Um, uh, that means we, we want them to, to you know, achieve on grade level and fulfill their potential uh, to be healthy and ultimately uh, uh, have a financially stable life. And our, our second big goal is to help connect Utahns in need with the resources that are available to help them. And, and both of those large goals, which we uh, have worked on for, for a long time, uh, and which are consistent with the other United Ways in Utah as well, uh, really prepared us to respond to the COVID pandemic and the economic challenges that have flowed from that as well. You know, over the years, I've watched how the United Way of Salt Lake moved and tried to make sure that there were centers of support and resources within the communities where those who had more economic disadvantages were at. I mean, you've you've kind of targeted your responses over the years as you closely take a look at what's happening within the communities. Let's talk first about the economic effect. The United Way of Salt Lake, what were you most concerned about of how the economy would change and affect those who are already disadvantaged? Well, our first reaction, like many others, was just to try to address the basic needs that people have um, for food, for shelter, uh, for mental health services, um, uh, just kind of survival. Um, So as people lost their jobs, um, 211 uh, really ramped up our our 211 service, which is what helps connect people in need to available programs and resources. Uh, ramped up its capacity to uh, distribute information, to take phone calls, to uh, help direct people to available resources. Um, We also recognized that the demand on those resources far outstripped the capability 
uh, or the available resource. And so we set up a, a COVID response fund, again, focused on meeting people's basic needs in, in the near term, while also trying to, uh, to diagnose and plan for uh, longer-term needs, both for kids and families in, in our school partnerships, but also uh, for our entire community. When you talk about the two one one, it's it's been a number of years since United Way rolled that service out, and and it's so easy for me to remember, you know, urgent emergencies nine one one, right? And it used to be that we would dial four one one for phone numbers, et cetera. But two one one, the idea behind that is a simple place, right? A simple number to remember that if you're in need or you have questions about what resources are where I live, you dial two one one. Is that a good big picture description of the goal? Of two one one and who staffs that? That that is exactly what two one one is about. It's an easy to remember phone number that anyone in Utah can call, and, and this is actually available uh, nationwide. Uh, in Utah, the staffing for two one one occurs through our team here in Salt Lake and through the United Way of Utah County in Provo, and we have trained information specialists in both places that manage a database of 10,000 different services and programs in Utah from about 2,500 different organizations. And if, if you imagine yourself uh, suddenly needing help and wondering uh, where you might find uh, you know, mental health support, where you might find housing support, uh, 10,000 services is an overwhelming amount to try to navigate yourself or to know about. Um, and 211 provides this easy direct portal into that world that helps connect people to those resources. And, and then also, you know, you, you might call seeking help for, for your rent uh, or mortgage, and uh, our team can help, help you figure out if you might have some other needs that we can help with. And uh, uh, 211 is, is sort of a, an infrastructure that makes everything else work better. Having the vantage point of working in the media, I'm aware of the incredible organizations and nonprofits that are out there that are trying to address the needs of our community. To me, it's key for people to know you can call 211 and someone who's familiar with the different type of organizations and how they can help you and, and where you might fit in can then quickly connect you to that. So rent assistance, and, and I understand even child care to look for that if somebody has to go back to work or increase their hours, trying to find adequate child care, they can get resources for that too at 211? Yeah, exactly. Um, and in some cases, uh, 211 is then connected to a deeper uh, resource and referral system uh, that that provides even more detailed help. Uh, so, you know, for example, uh, if people call uh, with a mental health crisis, we can connect them to crisis lines um, uh, where they can get deeper help. Uh, if they call uh, around looking for child care, uh, we don't maintain the, the total list of child care um, centers in Utah, but our service can connect somebody to that list so that they can quickly get the help that they need. And as we looked at COVID-19 and the impact it was having economically, were you seeing an influx of calls of individuals struggling to pay rent, struggling to pay mortgage, looking for food? Was was there an increase in food instability that you were seeing? That, that was true here in Utah and across the country. 211 was was a, an early indicator of, of, of huge need 
in many communities across the country. And the top needs in our community and in our state were around housing and food, uh, typically. Uh, there were other resources that people were aware of to get, you know, to find out about COVID testing, for example. So we didn't take a ton of calls around that. But but the pandemic highlighted inequities in our healthcare system that, uh, you know, that a simple COVID test doesn't fully address. People need uh, access to a full range of healthcare services. And so 211 provides that um, connection to people so that they can have uh, all of their healthcare needs met through a network of of public and private and nonprofit healthcare resources. For those who have just joined us, we're talking with Bill Krim. He's the CEO of United Way of Salt Lake. Many of you have donated to the United Way of Salt Lake, either individually or through your work and offices. And we are looking at what was happening within our community as COVID-19 rolled through and how that affected those who are already struggling economically or with disadvantages, or it could be any of us, I, I should say. Suddenly, we're all facing uh, economic crisis that was not planned and how the United Way of Salt Lake was implementing resources to try to help address those needs. You indicated that COVID-19 revealed that there was inequity with health care. Talk to us a little bit more about that. What does that mean? Well, you know, in terms of health care, imagine, uh, imagine yourself without health insurance or with health insurance that maybe you can't really afford to use because deductibles are so high. And, you know, the very first thing that happens is uh, if you start to feel sick um, and and you don't feel like you can go to the doctor, you don't get early treatment, that's a problem both in terms of the coronavirus but also in any, any almost any other health need that you might have. The longer you delay, the more complicated and, and risky and, and costly that is. Um, the other health-related inequity uh, is is tied to the economic inequity in our world, which is that if you're um, if you live paycheck to paycheck and you get sick, uh, the financial incentive to need to go to work is overwhelming, so that you can pay your rent. But we all know that one of the ways that we stop the spread of the coronavirus is, is by not going out in public if we have symptoms, but uh, but that's an easier choice for those of us who have paid sick time. It's an easier choice for those of us who have jobs where we can work from home. Uh, it's a, a much more difficult and complicated and, and harmful choice for those that don't have uh, that, that opportunity. When it became apparent that there was so much inequity when it came to health care access, especially for individuals who were disadvantaged economically, what was the strategy for United Way of Salt Lake? Was it increasing, as you mentioned, the 211 portal resources so that there is a place to bring people together to connect them to resources? Or did you expand your network with other community partners to try to assure that individuals who might have COVID-19 have access to get testing or to see a doctor or to get treated early on? Well, the, our approach really has been about trying to connect people to the, the immediate resource that can help them with their immediate need, um, while simultaneously mobilizing our donors and our partners and uh, uh, and 
virtually everybody to advocate for policies that uh, that solve the problem in the long run. So, um, so our you know our team and, and our partners and many of our donors have been advocating for greater access to health care, for expansion of Medicaid, for example, um, for resources from federal coronavirus uh, relief uh, packages to be targeted to those most in need. Um, the other thing that I, I'd bring up in terms of uh, kind of structural problems is, is, uh, is in our education partnerships, uh, those focused on helping every child achieve their potential. What, what the COVID pandemic quickly illuminated was something we work on every day, but, but it became much more of a, of a crisis. Uh, and that is when schools went into a distance learning um, environment, families without internet access, families uh, without adequate tech, you know, computer technology, um, families without the ability to support their kids learning from home, suddenly became disconnected from school in a way that we've never seen before. So um, disconnection from school is, an, is always an issue for a variety of reasons, but um, the pandemic created a situation where massive numbers of students have not been connected to school for the last three months. And uh, that's another area where we're focused both on trying to address that in the short run uh, by connecting kids to learning opportunities and building uh, you know, a more inclusive uh, system in the future that uh, takes into account these barriers that many families and kids face. That really resonates with me because over the years, as I've interviewed representatives from the Utah Food Bank or from food pantries, they've been very concerned about the inability of children from economically challenged families to get access to food. And the school lunch programs during the school year often helped those children get the only healthy, reliable food uh, of the day. And so during the summer, they were especially concerned about whether the children would get access to food. Then we look at the COVID-19 situation. And if their parents are typically the parents that are working one or two jobs just to put the basics on the table or, or pay rent, there's the big concern about the children's day. If they're no longer in a school where teachers and administrators can provide structure and care and education, how do those children progress academically during this COVID-19 pandemic? Are there programs or resources available for these families? There are resources, and and I think schools did a a really um, heroic job of trying to maintain, for example, school meal programs in a distance learning environment. Uh, and trying to connect their kids um, to learning by distributing Chromebooks and devices and and even trying to provide Internet access. But in some communities and for some families, the barriers are so great that um, that even that wasn't sufficient. And so our belief is that we really have to rally as a community uh, to find and connect uh, the kids that haven't been connected, who won't be connected over the summer, uh, and who for whom uh, you know, future education in, in the fall is likely to still be very challenging um, as long as we're in this pandemic. 
I'm hearing that some school districts are making plans to offer parents, again, the chance to keep their children at home and for them to continue distance learning. Other school districts are saying that plan on sending your kids to school, but they will they will all need to wear masks in the classroom. Educators right now are just trying to do their very best to lay out some kind of a strategy or a plan as things change. What is happening with COVID-19? Again, if a parent is concerned about the resource availability for their children uh, with schooling, they can also dial 211 and then be connected that way? Exactly. Um, 211 historically has not housed information about learning resources, but we are rapidly building that capability. And um, 211 will be also a single point of contact for parents to find a variety of resources to connect their kids to learning. You mentioned, Bill, that there was a lot of advocacy going on within the United Way of Salt Lake and your donors. And did all that advocacy and lobbying help push the passage of the federal stimulus package and the expansion of the Medicaid funds, too? Well, I I think uh, the federal uh, relief packages would have passed without our advocacy. But the important voice of, of United Ways across the country uh, to help Congress recognize the need to do things like target resources to families who are most impacted. And I wouldn't say that happened perfectly in that legislation, but, but that was our goal. Um, there was a, a really uh, incredible effort that Senator Mike Lee uh, has pushed for and continues to push for, which is expanding the charitable deduction so that people who, who don't itemize on their tax returns can still deduct um, the the donations they make from their income taxes. That's an important uh, piece of mobilizing resources for families in need. Uh, so there's much more advocacy to do, but, uh, but that's also part of our work. Um, I think it's important for people to recognize United Way not as as simply a, a, a charity, but as a, a community problem solver, uh, a, an organization that builds partnerships to address really complex, thorny issues in our community and does it in a way uh, that unites people and brings people together and focuses on data and and results. And I've always loved and appreciated Bill. And for those who have joined us, this is the CEO of United Way of Salt Lake, Bill Krim. I've always appreciated the slogan, Live United, in the sense that being united in the commitment to help everyone live in a better way, right, to help all of the children have better opportunities. And to me, it's also about living in a way that we are engaged, whether it's through donations or volunteer hours. I'm wondering, Bill, if you have just a couple more minutes to explain how, um, you know, donations play their role, but where do volunteer hours play a role so that those who feel like I want to have a hands-on experience and helping the United Way of Salt Lake improve our community, what does that look like? Well, um, there's so many ways for for that to happen. And, and people should know that Utah ranks first in our country in terms of charitable giving and in terms of volunteering. And, uh, and, and we should be proud of that. And what United Way invites people to do is is volunteer in a coordinated way with a very specific focus. Um, that's not to say that there aren't uh, many, many volunteer opportunities uh, that anybody can choose, but when someone uh, visits our website or gets engaged in volunteer work through United Way, what they're doing is they're joining a team that is 
using a very well-coordinated approach to solve a very specific problem, like uh, improving uh, reading scores for kids or improving high school graduation or uh, college or post-secondary completion. And you know, our goal really is to build the largest, most effective team ever possible to address these problems and to solve them. And the volunteer opportunities are wide-ranging. Um, we're about to launch uh, a Stuff the Bus volunteer opportunity and donation drive to provide school supplies for for kids. Um, over the summer, we'll be working to connect volunteer tutors and mentors to uh, to kids who have been disconnected uh, from school. And we'll do that like, through awesome partners like Big Brothers Big Sisters, and uh, and we'll do it uh, directly through 211. Uh, basically, uh, you know, Anything that that uh, that needs to be done, volunteers can help do, uh, but it's always more effective to do it in collaboration, we think. Mm. Now, Bill, the United Way of Salt Lake is also deeply involved with the immigrant and refugee populations in the state of Utah as well, trying to make sure that they get access to the programs and resources that will help them as adults or as families improve their education or get access to economic growth and other programs that can help them progress in all areas of their life, too. That's so true. Um, we have amazing partners that that work on the ground with communities of color and with immigrant and refugee populations. Um, and and in much the same way as would be with anybody, the more organized we are, the more collaborative we are, the more focused we are on working together, the better the results are. Bill, I appreciate you spending this time with us on Utah Weekly Forum. For those who want to make financial donations or in-kind donations, or to get involved in these volunteer opportunities, where should they go? Our website is uw.org. Very simple, two letters, uw.org. And you can learn all about our work and um, be connected to our COVID-related efforts, be connected to our education-related efforts, uh, be connected to our work uh, related to racial inequities in our community, uh, we, uh, we we invite anybody to join us. Well, Bill, thank you so much for the work that the United Way of Salt Lake is doing. And thank you. There are many people listening right now who are volunteers, who do donate and do support. And the need is great for those of us who can to step up even our support as we are facing the COVID-19 uh, pandemic continuing. If it's hit your family it's hit others all around in ways that you might not even imagine. Bill Krim, the CEO of the United Way of Salt Lake, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you so much for having me.